You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. Hi, my name is Scooter Wright, and this is my story. My faith journey started when I was about 19 to 20 years old in college. Um, I went to a military academy, so we marched everywhere. And during basic training, uh, I was one of the ones who didn't attend church. So uh, the the heathen flight uh, would march back to our tents and we'd have that time alone. Um, I was raised in a home uh, that had religion, but not so much faith. So uh, attending church was more or less a chore uh, growing up. Uh, during my sophomore year of college, uh, my neighbor and I, uh, along with a group of friends, went, uh, went on a ski trip. On the trip back, we were talking about our faith and, uh, and what it meant. Uh, she asked me where my faith was and what I thought it meant. Throughout the course of the discussion, she explained to me the, the sacrifice Christ made on my behalf and, and gave me a small comic book that, uh, that further illustrated Christ's story. Um, after thinking about it, and uh, unbeknownst to, uh, to me, praying about it for a couple of weeks, I acknowledged Christ um, into my life and through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I tell you that because I look at my faith uh, journey as I look back on the path God put me on, and I see places that uh, he's shown himself to me. Uh, there's a couple moments or large decisions along the way that I truly feel God guided my family's decision. Um, then as I look back on them, uh, they were true Jesus take the wheel moments for me. Um, the first was a choice that uh, Megan and I had to make uh, where we were going to live after uh, we moved from Germany. We had a couple of options, uh, and there were Alaska and Arizona. Uh, we had to live in Arizona, or we had lived in Arizona before, uh, and didn't really care for it, and uh, I love the outdoors, and so Alaska sounded really awesome to me. Um, we were both in agreement that we thought Alaska was where we wanted to go, uh, but my wife and I agreed that we should uh, pray about it before making the decision. Um, after about a week uh, of me not wanting to, real to reveal to my wife that God was leading us to Arizona, we finally talked about it. Uh, sneaky God, he was uh, he was leading us, leading her to the same in the same direction. But we didn't want to go to Arizona, so joyfully reluctant, uh, we went on to Arizona. Every day that uh, that I went to work, and uh, every day that we drove to church, uh, we drove past a church that was meeting a high school less than a half mile from our house. Um, I didn't want to try it because uh, it was sketchy uh, that they met in a high school. Um, Again, through prayer, my wife and I decided to give it a try. It turned out to be a small congregation that really fostered our personal relationship with Christ. Uh, then I met uh, this guy named Scott, uh, who has become one of my very best friends, and, um, and he thrust my faith right into the fire. Um, we were a mobile church uh, meeting in the high school, meaning that we had to set up and tear down in, uh, our area um, every time that, uh, that the church met uh, each week. Uh, I lived really close and told him, uh, hey, if you need any help setting up, give me a call. Uh, I got a call the next week, and then uh, the church uh, had a very small, active, or very active small group community in which, um, where I really saw uh, God, God start moving in my faith. When our uh, next small group session started, uh, Scott uh, was the small group director. He called me over one day and said, hey, here's a book. Uh, I've got you down to lead a group. And then uh, he walked away, uh, and I was left there standing with a book and a question mark over my head. Uh, how was I going to lead a small group? I'd never done it before. Uh, fortunately, we had connected with a few families, and we all decided we'd take this small group journey together. Uh, at the end of 40 days, uh, at the end of the 40 days, the study was called uh, 40 Days in the Word, 
God had revealed a uh, passion to me. I had grown in my faith uh, by what I consider leaps and bounds. Uh, I felt like God was telling me to follow this passion of leading small groups and, uh, and hospitality. Opening our home to a faith gathering was an amazing experience. Uh, over the course of the next three-ish years, we ended up leading uh, multiple groups and were able to serve those uh, who, um, who connected and grew uh, with us along the way. Uh, we had been in Arizona for going on five years at this point, and we were establishing community. Uh, we were connected and we really liked it. Um, in that time, uh, we had our third kid. I separated from the active duty military, joined the reserves, and got hired by an airline. Um, these were all big life changes that ended up happening all within about a year of each other. And my wife asked me uh, at the end of that, hey, can we please just not have any big changes this year? I heard her and agreed that this was a good idea, but uh, God had a different plan. We prayed again on where uh, where we should move, and God brought us to Hudson. Uh, and then at that point, we started looking for churches, and we started at Trinity because it was close, and, uh, and we found that it had a similar feeling to the community that we had back in Arizona in the past. Um, I've been able to serve and open our home again through, uh, through small groups, and we've connected with a bunch of uh, great people. Our children are growing through the confirmation and children's ministries. Uh, I feel like God put my family and I where, we, where he wanted us to be. Um, as I think about and I reflect on my faith journey, I can't always see when God is standing right next to me. But as I look at, on the path, uh, I can see those God moments where he was absolutely standing right next to me. When we moved here, we were able to see some of the things he was preparing for us. Uh, the people God graciously allowed to cross our path has been a blessing and encouraged my own faith journey. Uh, I definitely don't know uh, what God has in store for my future, but I'm truly thankful for the path along the way. My name is Scooter White, and this is my story. So if you are just joining us um, for our series, all through the season of Lent, which is kind of a, a, a period of time that leads up to uh, Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and then Easter, <clears throat> if you've been joining us, uh, we've been going through and having a, a story each week, uh, and, uh, and Scooter now is the week for this week, and I really, I've appreciated each week. If you guys have been enjoying these stories from our church, yeah, everybody's waving, yep. Um, it, it, because it's so enlightening to see that the people that we go to church with and we see, we might say hi and everything, we don't know the depth of what they've gone through, what their story is, what God has allowed to happen in their life. And I, and I really appreciated um, Scooters this week, too, along with the others, um, for a couple of reasons. One of them is that he discovered a passion. He has a passion for having people gather around and to learn and to grow and to live life together. In fact, just this week, uh, Pastor Jim and myself um, encouraged and Scooter accepted to be our point person for all of our small group and Bible study kind of initiatives. So if you're looking to be connected somehow a, or get to know a couple more people, um, obviously me or Pastor Jim, but, but Scooter then is also another person, and you can't miss him. He's about eight feet tall. Um, he was in first service. Um, so, but I really appreciate that. One of the other things that I appreciated as kind of a side note is the, uh, the, the sketchy church that he, meet, he was meeting at was the church that Kelly and I started with five people in our, lev our living room. Yeah. So thanks a lot, Scooter, calling my church sketchy. Yeah. So, so when we left, we, le we started the church, we left and we went to Houston to, to do another ministry. And it was very short, like a month after we left, Scooter and his family moved in. Uh, and so then when he came up here, he came here 
and, and he put it together that we were the ones, and so we know all the same people, and it's, you know how you have, like, you, you walk into a room, and you, you have people from all kinds of different spheres, and they're all, like, all your worlds collide that's what happened when Scooter showed up, because we're talking about the same people. But anyway, um, that little church of five people is now hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. They just bought 36 acres of land, cleared it, and they have put concrete in this last week for their first building. So isn't that, a, we can praise God for what God does there, yeah. Um, the, another reason I like his is because his story is what I kind of call like an every person's story. Uh, it, it, because all of us are on a, on a journey of some sort, and all of us have points in our, maybe, maybe in our life where you, you're thinking God is kind of moving you this way to take this other job, or to move to this city, or to do something different, to go to this school after high school, or, or whatever, and you're praying about it, and you think, and you're in alignment, with, if you're married, with your spouse, and you go, yep, this is the way God is moving us, and all of a sudden, He just changes everything. Have you ever had that experience where you're going this way and, and all, like with me planting that church, Summit Community Church, we thought we were going to be retiring there and all of a sudden God goes, nope, Houston, and we end up in Houston. All of us have that as part of our story in some way. But the other part I like is, again, Scooter says something about the beauty of gathering together as people of God. There's a beauty here. And whether you know a lot of people here at church or, or just a couple, there's a beauty and something different that happens when the Spirit of God brings people here and, and God's Spirit is here and we, we, we thrive together and worship Him. And so again, if you're, if you're thinking about, man, I want to take kind of a next level and grow a little bit more and have my kids meet some other kids from church, Scooter would be a great person um, to connect with or myself. Um, but we, again, like we said, we all have stories, and we all have comfort levels of which we like to share our stories. And maybe for some of you, it has been a story of that it's been a difficult, maybe a difficult season. Maybe you're coming off of a difficult season. Maybe God's presenting you with something right now, and you're like, oh my goodness, I, I, I'm so set where I am, but is God using me to impact more people somewhere else? And you're kind of struggling through that. Or maybe there's a health issue. Maybe there's something going on there. Maybe there's somebody who is what you would call an enemy. Somebody at your school that you're struggling with that just is a, maybe a bully. Somebody at work that is constantly taking credit for your work at, 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 in, your, in your job. It's really funny because if, and I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know how much you know about Jesus the things that we struggle with today are the exact same things that he struggled with 2,000 years ago. In fact, today we're going to be in Luke 20. So if you have your Bibles or if you can go to our church app, uh, you can look it up. We're going to be in Luke 20. And there's a situation where Jesus is doing a lot of teaching uh, in this area. And a lot of people have come around Jesus, and he's actually in Jerusalem in the temple. And, and so all these people are around him, but then the church leaders are also gathered around because they didn't like him at all. Because the church leaders at this point of the game, called Pharisees, they, they, had, they, they portrayed this image of God to people, that he was this dictator God. He didn't really love you unless you proved your worth, and he was just waiting to drop the hammer on you if you did something wrong. That's kind of the picture that all these people had of who this God was. And Jesus comes along and goes, I don't know who, what they're talking about. 
I know, I know God. I know God, my Father, our Father. And He's a loving God. And He's a loving God. So they come to Him and they're like, Jesus, you know, who gave you authority? You're just sort of this itinerant preacher. You know, what, what are your credentials? You know, what, what school did you go to? Is it an East Coast school, West Coast school? Is your basketball team in the Final Four, you know, in the finals? You know, what are your credentials? Are you ordained? And Jesus kind of shuts them up with some questioning. And then we get into Luke 20, uh, because Jesus not only did the, did the, the Pharisees kind of go, oh, he kind of, you know, shut us up on this whole authority question, but Jesus digs in. And this is kind of, this is one of those parables that is very, very clear. Oftentimes Jesus would, would say a parable and you're kind of like, what? what? This one is very, very clear. So here's, what, here's how Jesus says, uh, Luke 20, starting at verse 9. Um, he's talking to the Pharisees and, and kind of shutting them up. And then he turns to the people who are kind of around, turns to the people and told them this story. A man planted a vineyard, leased it to some tenant farmers, and moved to another country to live for several years. Now, this was pretty common during Jesus' day. There was an econo- economic downturn. Uh, the stock markets were dropping. Everything was going kind of bad. And so people had no money. Um, anybody who owned a plot of land usually didn't work it themselves. They would hire tenants to come in, and, and then they, the, the tenants would lease that land. Um, they wouldn't pay the owner for the land. They would give them part of the fruit of the land. And guess the amount of the fruit that, w- that was typical for giving back to the owner of the fruit of the, the land? 10%. Where's that come from? We talk about that. That's the tithe. So our first fruits back to the owner. Um, so that was pretty common. Uh, at the time of grape harvest, the owner sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers, now these are the least, it's not their land, they're leasing the land. The farmers attacked the servant, beat him up, sent him back empty-handed. So the owner thought, well, that's kind of a one-off, I'm going to do it again. So he sends another servant. They also insulted him, beat him up, and sent him away empty-handed. He did it a third time. And if I was listening to Jesus' parable, I'd be like, is this guy not operating on all cylinders? Why would you keep sending people if this is the thing? But the, the, Jesus continues, a third man was sent, and they wounded him and chased him away. Then Jesus says, and I'll, we'll put it up here, what will, what will I do, Jesus says, about the owner? The owner asks himself. The owner says, I know, and this is really, really key. This is really key to what happens, not only in the story, but what Jesus is portraying about himself to the people. He says this, I know I will send my cherished son. Surely they will respect him. Now, the word cherished uh, here in the original, it's Aramaic, but it was translated into Greek, uh, is, uh, is uh, agapetos, which means, or has been, is connected to the word Messiah. So in essence, Jesus is saying that the father or the owner has sent a Messiah, his cherished son, to the tenants of this field, or a beloved son, a cherished. So there's this messianic view, this divine view of who the son was. And, and when Jesus used that word, the Pharisees just gasped because they realized two things. They realized Jesus is saying that we're the evil farmers. And now he's saying that he is the son of God, which is heresy. And they're 
girdles got in an uproar. <laughs> That's what they wore, I'm sorry. But then it's just like, ah. And it's kind of like this. I was trying to think of a modern day equivalent to a story and then somebody says something that changes everything. And I got it. Star Wars 5. You remember Star Wars 5? Luke is battling Darth Vader. And they're on this big tall tower and Luke is out here and Darth Vader cuts off his hand with his lightsaber, you know, Luke, Luke's hand, and he crawls out, and, and they're kind of arguing back and forth, and Luke says to Darth Vader, Obi-Wan told me that you killed my father, and Darth Vader says, no. That's, you know that better than Bible verses. What's going on? He says, yeah, I am your father. And it's just like, it's one of those phrases, and now it's, it's cultural it's a cultural phrase, right? We use that. Like jumping the shark from Fonzie days. Remember that one? Hi, you're too young. Okay, so um, yeah. It, so when Luke says that, the whole story comes together and it's this big aha moment. It's the same kind of aha with what Jesus was saying about him being the cherished son. So let's continue the story. Um, Jesus says, but when the tenant far- farmers saw the son, they said to each other, here comes the heir to this estate. Let's not just beat him up and send him back. Let's kill him because the, the estate then would be for ourselves. So they dragged him out of the vineyard and murdered him. Jesus continues, what do you suppose the owner of the vineyard is going to do? He didn't wait for a reply from the people. He just launches in. I'll tell you what, what he's going to do. Jesus said, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. And the, everybody around is like, what do you, whoa, that's, that's horrible. How, how, what a terrible thing that that, that should happen, the list, listeners uh, protested. And then Jesus does something very, very interesting. And, you, and, and it's not described, but you can get it in the language. Remember at the beginning when he was talking to the Pharisees and he kind of started talking out loud so the Pharisees could, hit, could hear him? And he's talking to the people about this wonderful story. Jesus does this. Jesus looked at them. Who is them? The Pharisees. And this is what he says to these church leaders who are supposed to know that God is love and forgiving uh, and, and, uh, and, and sending his son for them. Jesus looked at the Pharisees to them and said, then what does this scripture mean? The stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This stone that's kind of a crumbly piece. If you're a builder, you know you look at certain stones for a cornerstone, and if something looks broken, you're not going to use it as a cornerstone. But God takes things of the world that don't make sense, that may be broken. Maybe your story is broken. And he takes, he takes that, and that's going to be a cornerstone in your life. Many of you have a cornerstone story in your life. Our family does. I know many families in here do. God takes this thing that looks broken and turns it into a cornerstone. Then Jesus continues, everyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone who falls on it. The response from the religious leaders? The religious leaders and the priests wanted to arrest Jesus immediately because they realized, once again, he was telling the story about them, that they were the evil farmers, the wicked farmers. 
but they were afraid to capture him because of the people's reaction. You see, Jesus at this time is, is a popular teacher. He's a popular figure. And if they were to start to storm in on him, boy, they would just be, the Pharisees would be attacked. Um, there are so many things from this parable that, that you can glean. We, we can talk about the patience of God, right? All of the servants that he sent. Um, basically, the, the, again, the crystal clearness of it, the field is Israel at that point from Jesus' perspective. The, the three people are prophets from the past that, that have said, that have warned people. Um, Jesus, obviously, is the, the cherished son. The Pharisees are the, the wicked landowners. That was Jesus, very clear. But the beautiful thing we see from this is, is the characteristic of God being patient with you and me. Because how many times have we done something and, and repented and then come back and done the same thing over and over and God is just patient over and over with us? Another thing is our stewardship of the land that he has given to each of us. Not physical land. Um, it could be relational land. It could be financial land, whatever it is. How are you managing that which God has given to you in terms of your finances. How are you offering or tithing to the owner of your financial field? It also kind of points out the greed that's in us, right? The greed that's in me. I mean, all of us are tuned to the radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? That's our radio, that's, that's our whole life. What's in it for me? What do I get? I'm not going to do this unless I get something out of it. God challenges you and I on that. Where's your heart? But the other thing, and probably the most important thing, is it tells a lot about who Jesus is. I mean, he is basically saying, I know what the plan is. I know that I'm going to die. I know that I'm going to be... I'm going to be, I'm the cherished son who is killed, but I know that on the third day, the son of man, as he calls himself, that, that I will rise again. He knew what the end was going to be, and he ultimately trusted in God, his almighty father. So as we end kind of this Lenten season, here's what you need to know. Your story is like that capstone, as I mentioned. It's like a, a, there, there are parts of it that are wonderful and beautiful and are put together, but parts of it that are broken. Don't think that God can't use that brokenness. Don't think that he's just going to take your story or you and put it to the side. If we talk about every week, you matter to God, and he can take the ugliness of your story and turn it beautiful. He can take the cracks and make them whole. You could take the brokenness and make it a capstone in your life. Your story is not an accident. It's not a surprise to God. God knows what happened yesterday in your life. He knows what's happening today. He'll know what hap what's going to happen this afternoon, tomorrow, next week, next year. So why wouldn't you trust him with all of it? Why wouldn't you trust him with every little line on the page that's being written that you're writing today? It could be greed, could be pride, but I would encourage you to continually to ask, God, what story are you writing in my life? And ultimately, he is the author, and you are the page on which he's writing. He shows his faithfulness to you as you look back on times when things were rough and you made it through. He shows your love for you on times when you felt unloved. 
And because of what Jesus did, he shows a home for you in your future with him in heaven forever. And so that's what we celebrate as the period on the dot of the, la- on the sentence of the last page of our story. And we start a new book in heaven with him. So that's been awesome to celebrate. And I just pray that God would continue to write your story in a way that um, no matter what happens, he is, you, that he encourages you, um, as Matthew 28 says, that he will be with you even to the end of the page. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up to pray. Lord, there is no one like you. Um, you are the God of the heavens, the God of hosts. You are the God who has all things in your hands. You have my life in your hands, Father. You have my past, my present, and my future in your hands. Thank you, Father, for being, uh, encouraging us today with this story that um, even Jesus himself willingly went to the cross, knew what was going to happen, but went to the cross because he knew that it would take his sacrifice to pay for our sin. No one loves us like you do, God. No one loves us like you. Continue to guide us and lead us, God, whether it's telling us to stay put, whether it's telling us to take a step forward. Give us, um, as Scooter said, give us a passion in our life to follow you in all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of us said together, amen.